Welcome to the 111th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are an overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, looking back at the college football national championship game, and a recap of week 18 of the NFL season. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com, starting in the NBA, where Patrick went 1-3 and three with his predictions. Similarly, in the NFL, Patrick went 1-3 and three with his weekend predictions. In NCAA basketball, Patrick went 3-1 and one with NCAA predictions. And in NCAA football bowl game and college football playoff action, after a slow 8-9 and nine start to the bowl season, Patrick came roaring back with a 16-6 run to end up with a 24-15 record in his NCAA football bowl game and playoff predictions, making him 5-7 overall this past weekend. And along with his 24-15 bowl game record, that brings him to 317 and 231 overall, a 57.8% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on all those predictions? Well, I think I did a pretty good job in bowl games. I said both times when you uh, hinted at how bad my predictions were going that just wait until the real games rolled around that actually, you know, matter whatsoever. Uh, and I would say I went 16-6 and six past the point of these games actually mean something. Uh, and I think really, honestly, if you look at those 22 games... Those were probably 44 teams that combined. I probably watched on average three or four games of each of those teams, as opposed to the first 17, I probably watched six or seven altogether, so not even on average. Uh, So not very surprising there, to be quite honest, that I got better as it went on. Uh, I got the most important game right, uh, which was the championship game, which we'll get to in a second. Um, And in the NCAA basketball, I keep doing what I've been accustomed to doing, which is having a lot of success there. Uh, in the NBA, you know, I was very, I was very, uh, I was very confused on what to pick in terms of the Bucks and the Nets because I was wondering if, you know, the Nets were gonna, if Kyrie was gonna disrupt the Nets' chemistry and maybe playing with him for a game would make them worse the next game. And I was like, okay, don't make it too hard on yourself. Just make the simple pick. Pick the Nets. Don't get too cute. Apparently, I should have gotten a little bit cute. Because if I had gotten cute, I would have picked the Bucks. And then if I had gone by that, I would know that every single time I predict these, there's never a time where all four of the home teams win. Uh, and in that case, I wouldn't have picked the Bulls anymore either. I probably would have picked the Mavericks to offset the fact that I normally pick a lot of home teams. So I would have picked the Mavericks instead of the Bulls in any way, chain reaction whatsoever, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to complain about it. But not a good week there. Uh, and then in the NFL, look, I lost two overtime games. I don't really know what, what you want me to say about it. Like... The Chargers and the Raiders should have tied, uh, pretty much. Uh, the Rams choked the game away. They were up 17 to nothing at the half. Sean McVay was 45-0 and when leading at half before that game, and that was his first loss ever when leading at the half uh, while being the head coach of the Rams. So you tell me if I, if I thought I was in good position in that game. It was another overtime game. Uh, the Eagles won the battle of Dak Prescott against the Eagles. Or, sorry, the Cowboys won the battle of Dak Prescott versus the Eagles' backups, which, I mean... That's not really that fair, but, uh, you know, it's not about fairness. It's about who wins the game, right? Uh, And then, you know, in the other game, I mean, whatever. I don't really care, honestly. So uh, (laughs) I I, I think, eh, whatever. Uh, You know, the Steelers also won in overtime. I actually only lost overtime games this week, which I guess I did a good job of picking which games would be the best games. I just completely failed to pick the right team in all of them. Uh, And coincidentally, two two of the three teams that won were on... Actually, no, all of the two, sorry, yeah, two of the three teams that won were on the road. 
Um, and I picked two of the three home teams to win the game, but of course I picked them in the wrong games. So uh, it didn't work out that way. I picked the Chargers as the only road team to win this week. Uh, and along with the Cowboys, and they weren't able to do that, but we'll get to that later. But, yeah, I mean, you could see why I got it wrong. There were three overtime games. Could have gone either way. They went all of them in against me. So, well, who cares? All right. Well, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website, as always, on Thursdays on 4thand24.com. Let's move to college football, specifically a look back at the college football championship, national championship game, where number three Georgia Beat number one Alabama, thirty-three to eighteen, claiming their first national title for the Dogs since nineteen eighty. Patrick, let's talk about some notable things from this game. Georgia wins their third title all time. Uh, if you're going by a clock, wait until twenty sixty on the dot. That's when they'll win their next one because the first one was in nineteen forty-two. Then it took them thirty-eight years. Uh, until 1980, and then it took them until 2022, 42 years later, so go back to 38 years. See you guys in 2060. Uh, But look, the last time they won a title, Herschel Walker was a freshman running back at Georgia. We're talking in college. Um, For people in my generation, Herschel Walker is a name that has no stats, no pictures, no nothing attached to it, and is long beyond the memory. I mean, we all know his legacy, but I mean, he's he's, well, he's not even for Senate apparently in Georgia. Well, that's interesting. I mean, he might win based on the inertia from this game, honestly. But uh, look, it's been a while. Is the point here? Um, yeah, I but, was eleven. Yeah, exactly. And you know, <laughs> in 2018, I, I want to say about Georgia's lost talent in 2018 when they lost Alabama in the championship game. They had three first round picks, and that's not even including Nick Chubb because. Bill Belichick decided that Sony Michelle was better than Nick Chubb, but that's a different story. Uh, they had seven draft picks last year. This year, they might not have had that offensive talent that they had in the last few years. I mean, they've had Matt Stafford come through. Jake Fromm was a great college quarterback, not exactly translating in the NFL so far, uh, but was really good there. Uh, and then, really, this is just easily the best defense since 2000, at least. At the very least, I, I will at least say that. And you could argue one of the best of all time, and that might be an understatement. They could easily be the best of all time. They only gave up 14 points three times when at this point, the phrase defense wins championships is starting to become almost a joke because it feels like every single year, the team that wins the championship, maybe their defense plays well for one game, i.e. the Chiefs and the Buccaneers the last two years, but you're looking at the best quarterbacks in any league. If you're looking at the NFL, if you're looking at college, the team with the best quarterback is winning more often than the team with the best defense. And I think that's been proven recently. So uh, I think it, it's honestly, it's it's great to see that a defense can go out and really win a team and, and carry the team throughout the year. Um, they only have a 14 points three times this year, as I said, only in a 41-17 win over Tennessee, who has a top five scoring offense. Uh, they averaged 40 points per game this year. So 17 for them is pretty low. And that was at home. Obviously, the 41-24 lost Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, but just when they needed it, they battled back. And look, they gave up 14 points in this game, but it was only 18, and they made up for it with a pick six. And by the way, just as they started the season winning the game with a pick six against Clemson as their only touchdown, they sealed the season with a pick six. And as I said at the beginning of the year, they had two tests. Clemson, they were going to have one at the beginning of the year with Clemson and one at the end of the year with Alabama. They beat Clemson pretty easily, but they tripped up with the Alabama test, but they had still played so well throughout the year that they had just enough to keep them in the field, and that was all they needed. They just needed a shot at the dance. They came back. They battled back. They easily handled Michigan, 
And this time around, they were able to beat Alabama, expose the matchups that they really could have had advantages in in the SEC championship game. And, you know, they weren't able to knock them off, knock them out of the playoff field with their second loss of the season earlier, but they won when it mattered the most. Yeah, and uh, one of those 14-point games, tonight's game, it would have been 12, but for Stetson Bennett basically having that controversial turnover that basically that gave Alabama, gave points, Alabama yep. six points so. and it would have been and it would have been 15 even with that had Georgia not blocked a field goal which again their defense sure. has always come up with big play but that's what I'm saying their defense that. has always come up with big plays which is the reason why they've held so many teams under so many points I mean it's happened all season long uh but moving on from that if you look at the individual co- contributors in this game Stetson Bennett probably I would argue Stetson Bennett outplayed Bryce Young he definitely threw a lot less so it's hard to judge but 17 of 26, 224 yards, two touchdowns, one fumble that wasn't actually a fumble, but we don't need to talk about it since it didn't actually impact really the outcome of the game at all. Uh, Bryce Young, 35 of 57, 369 yards, one touchdown, two picks, one fumble that wasn't called and also should have been an intentional grounding, but that's another story uh, where Georgia really started the game with a scoop and score and they overturned that and really, I mean, it looks kind of the same as uh, Stetson Bennett's fumble, so... I have my I have my questions about that, but luckily it didn't it didn't stop the it didn't do anything with the outcome of the game, so I don't I'm not going to go too much into that. But um, you, you know, I thought that this game was really it, it honestly looked similar from Bryce Young's perspective to the Auburn game. Uh, he had he didn't have enough rhythm to carry this team through a game, and really their defense all year has not necessarily been. Uh, the championship level that they're accustomed to having. I don't think it's a bad defense by any stretch, but really he needed to be more efficient to carry this team in a, to a win in a national championship game, and he really needed to be like he was in the SEC championship game, where he threw for a record in SEC championship game for pa- in SEC championship games for passing yards and also threw three touchdowns. But if you look back at the Auburn game, excluding that one drive and that over, and I mean, look, Alabama scored 24 points and in that whole game, and they were all in the fourth quarter in overtime. He almost had them in position to lose to a 6-6 six and six team that lost a bowl game to Houston. I mean, without a second-half drive that he had, if you look at the game, 25-51, 317 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, it really was a similar game. Um, and ironically enough, the quarterback on the other side also was 17-26 of 26 with two touchdowns, one interception. The only difference between the Alabama and Auburn game and the Georgia and Alabama game is Georgia's defense and Georgia's running game that carried them through the game. Uh, Zamir, as they call him, Zeus, White, 13 carries, 84 yards, one touchdown. James Cook had a 67-yard run, only 77 yards on the night and six carries. It was five carries for 10 yards on the other carries, but 167-yard that started Georgia's touchdown drive that extended the lead a little bit. Um, and then, and or actually, sorry, had them take the lead. Uh, Ad- wide receiver Adonai Mitchell had two receptions for 50 yards and one touchdown, and the touchdown was a big play. It was on a free play that was recognized by Stetson Bennett, which is another reason why I'm saying Stetson Bennett outplayed Bryce Young pretty easily in this game. And he also had a great read on a third and one where Georgia was running down the field and trying to push the lead uh, more. They were only up 19-18, to and on an RPO where it was an inside handoff or a throw outside, he made the perfect read. He threw the ball over the top, over the top of uh, Jordan Battle to Brock Bowers, who ran into the end zone and scored the touchdown to push the lead to 26-18. to 18. Those two plays by Stetson Bennett won Georgia the game. He said it himself. He wasn't going to let himself be the reason that Georgia lost the game from his fumble. He was going to make sure 
that if the game was on his shoulders, it would be because of the way that they won the game, not the way they lost the game. And then Keely Ringo picked off Bryce Young uh, with them attempting to get a comeback and get a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie the game for a game-sealing pick six, a 79-yard return. Uh, and also some other things, Jalen Carter blocked a field goal that would have made it 12-6 to for Alabama. And again, a lot of strong defensive contributions. They stopped a two-point conversion. Georgia made plays when they needed to, and they made just enough to win this game. Uh, and the Alabama side, honestly, John Mechie left the game in the second quarter. They were already without, or sorry, John Mechie was already out, but they were they lost Jamison Williams in the second quarter. He had four receptions for 65 yards. And uh, unlike when Devontae Smith left the game uh, last year, uh, they didn't exactly have the, the guys to really replace that production. I mean, remember Devontae Smith exited that game at the end of the first half with 13 receptions for like 200 yards and a few touchdowns already, and they were already blowing Ohio State out of the water. This game was an exact replay of that game, but Georgia's defense was just so good, and it was just so good that they held Alabama, a very efficient red zone offense, to a bunch of field goals. They never let them extend the game too much. And then all of a sudden, as soon as that injury comes and they get their break, they capitalized on it. Uh, Cameron Latu was really the only guy who stepped up for Alabama after the injury. Five receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown. He had a big reception that sparked Alabama's touchdown drive. Uh, but other than that, Ja'Cory Brooks played a good game. Um, Jaleel Billingsley played okay, but had some costly drops and some missed blocks uh, and probably could have made a few more contested catches that were thrown to him. Um, and also, Saban this season... Talking about Georgia's the the story of Georgia's season, Nick Saban was twenty four and zero against his former assistants uh, or assistants under him heading into the A and M game this year, and with that loss along with this one to Kirby Smart when it matters the most, he's now suffered two of them all in the same season. More proof that maybe this wasn't exactly the Alabama team we thought they were, and I mean I think really the Auburn game is probably the evidence of it. If you look at the the margin of games that that these teams played against common opponents. Georgia beat every team that Alabama beat, at least in common opponents, by 24 or more, and Alabama beat three of those teams by single digits. So there was there was some clear reason why Georgia was favored in the first matchup, and after the way they played against Michigan, where their defense was just light, lights out and made one or two mistakes that Michigan couldn't capitalize on, they might have made one mistake in this game, and really Alabama got that reception with Cam Law too. and other than that... They didn't make any mistakes, and that's all that they needed. They just needed to play mistake-free, and they had enough talent to really actually beat Alabama this year. I think Georgia was actually the more talented team. Um, and this year, it showed, other than other than maybe Stetson Bennett, but the talent didn't matter because, as I said, his reads, his instincts were there. Uh, other than that, Georgia was the more talented team, and they proved it today. Yeah, I think uh, you and I had Georgia pretty much number one all throughout the season in our rankings. Um, obviously, when they lost to Alabama, we dropped them. But but we both said, but we both agreed that they were going to come back and win this game yes, too. Yes, and we both agreed that they were the team that you didn't want to face in the playoffs. And as I said to begin the year, I said it from the beginning. I said this was their year. I said Florida's probably the worst that Florida's been in a really long time. Uh, they don't. They finally didn't play Alabama in the crossover game. They didn't play. I mean, they played Auburn in the crossover game, but Auburn was pretty weak this year. They didn't play A and M. They didn't play LSU, who we thought were maybe going to be good. Very nice. They had stuff set up for them very well from the beginning of the season. I mean, Tennessee was probably better than Auburn Especially ended up. A weak Clemson team, but and then and then I mean, even though even though they got that Clemson win, it, it really felt like that was a test at the beginning of the season, where either they're only going to lose that game, and that's what I had predicted in my season long predictions, or they're going to win that game and go undefeated. And I think there was no in-between. And, well, we got the no in-between. We got 
We got the one where they win everything. And well, congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs and, and Georgia fans. And one, of, one of those great programs that hasn't won a national title in a long time. Uh, that'll wrap up our look back at college football for this week. It wraps up our look at college look back at college football for uh, several months now. I know we'll both miss it, but uh, we've got NFL action to uh, to keep us uh, fill our football cravings. So let's uh, move over to our weekly review of NFL action, starting with the best games of Week 18, the last week of the NFL regular season. Starting with one of the overtime games, uh, the 49ers and the Rams. Look. Frankly, I mean, there were three overtime games this week. I actually probably put the best game of the year in most impressive teams, which we'll get to later, but that's a little bit ironic because that was the game of the year, but we'll get to it later. Um, Look, the 49ers and the Rams played a very interesting game. The Rams completely dominated the first half up until on third and one, the Rams lined up in shotgun empty formation and did not run the ball after they were trying to run out the clock on the 49ers. They left just enough time after they punted. The 49ers came down the field and got a field goal. And instead of going up 17 to nothing at the half, it was 17 to three, which left it just in striking distance, just enough for the 49ers to come back. Uh, they threw a, Jimmy Garoppolo threw an inter, a very bad interception uh, to Jalen Ramsey that Jalen Ramsey tipped about eight or nine times before he caught it in the end zone. Um, and then the Rams came back and. Made a great drive, uh, a lot of throws to Cooper Cup, including a touchdown throw in the corner of the end zone. But then the 49ers came back, and with two minutes left, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was able to lead them down the field after they stopped the Rams trying to run out the clock again. Um, And with no timeouts, 121 left on their own 12-yard line, the Rams let Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers go 88 yards down the field with no timeouts in a minute and a half to tie the game. And I thought the game was over as soon as the coin flip happened. It actually wasn't. The Rams were able to hold the 49ers to a field goal. But Matt Stafford on a deep shot uh, with one-on-one coverage to to Odell Beckham with Ambry Thomas on him, who 49ers fans don't like very much because he has not been playing very well. Uh, They had the one-on-one look they wanted, and Stafford just completely underthrew it. I don't know if it was a miscommunication, but he completely underthrew it if that was supposed to be the route that Odell ran. So... Uh, nothing else you can do about it. Ambry Thomas picked it off. Game over 49ers. That's the way overtime works in the NFL. And, uh, well, the 49ers played a great game. Uh, and that game was for playoff position. It was a really, really important game. If the 49ers lost, they wouldn't have made the playoffs because of the Saints win against, uh, the Falcons. So very, very important game for the 49ers. Uh, and it affects seeding. And we'll talk about that later, but moving on from that, a game that looked like it might have no impact, uh, heading into the, the, the day had a lot of impact. Uh, the Steelers beat the Ravens in overtime 16-13, to and then we realized that we'll, we'll get to why it extended his career later, but Big Ben's career was extended by an overtime drive ending with a Chris Boswell field goal to seal the game. Uh, and look, everybody thought that was his last game, was in uh, that game in Pittsburgh against the Browns, and then this game was going to be his last well, it is going to be his last home game because, spoiler alert, the Steelers ended up with the seventh seed. It's not possible for them to play a home game. So if he's retiring after this year, that was his last game at Heinz Field still. Uh, but this game did not end up being his last of his career, and we'll get to why later. Uh, but then the Titans beat the Texans. Honestly, the the, the, the Texans made this a really, really close game. Uh, Danny Amendola came out of nowhere and had seven receptions and two touchdowns in this game with 100-plus receiving yards. 
Davis Mills played a good game. Uh, this game came down to the Titans getting a, getting a first down on a third and I think four or five, where uh, they reached out the ball and placed it right on the first down line. And other than that, the Texans could have gotten the ball back and spoiled the Titans' plans to get the one seed. But I will say, you don't see you don't think there's an impact now. But the Titans getting that first down might have changed the complexion of the entire NFL playoffs because now they will have a bye week. Derrick Henry was already practicing this week. He will be back. I don't know who's going to play them two weeks from now, but they are going to lose because Derrick Henry is going to run all over whoever they play. I already know that. I don't even care who they're playing. Maybe I'll change it later if it's the Bills. But anyway, that's a different conversation. Uh, The Titans claim the one seed with that win. Now, I guess let's move on to most disappointing teams. These, okay, there are five teams that I am disappointed in, actually, even though there are only three games that I'm talking about. Let's start with the Lions. Uh, The Lions, the one time they needed to lose a game, they win a game. It's, It's almost impossible. And, you know, it's ironic because on a day that was so crazy, and we'll get to why it was crazy next, Of course this was going to happen, but it reminds me a lot of the Jets against the Rams when the Jets had no wins all year. They were in line to pick Trevor Lawrence. Then they decided, you know what? The Rams are a playoff team. Let's go on the road and finally play our A game for once in a year. And all of a sudden, now the Jets have Zach Wilson instead of Trevor Lawrence. Ask the Jets fans how they feel about it. Ask the Lions how they feel about picking number two, although I will make the argument Based on the mock drafts of having both Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau going one and two, I don't really think there's that much of a difference, to be quite honest. Um, like, really, they're both right ends. I mean, there's not much you can do about it. Uh, they're kind of, they're not necessarily similar players, but same position, so not going to make that big of a difference. It's not like the difference between picking your franchise quarterback and your second choice franchise quarterback. It's a much bit, much less of a drop off there. Uh, but moving on from another team, I'm disappointed in the Jaguars, and here's why. The Jaguars just needed to lose, and they would have had the number one pick again, Uh, but they didn't. And then I'm disappointed in the Colts because all you needed to do to make the playoffs was beat the worst team in the league, and you lost. I don't, I, I honestly, this game is not worth talking about because it's just probably one of the worst losses in NFL history. I don't think there's, I don't think I can talk about it. I mean, there's nothing there. It's if you thought the Rams losing to a, a winless team, a winless Jets team last year was bad. This is definitely worse because the Rams still made the playoffs. They might have lost a division because of it, but they didn't make they, they didn't miss the playoffs. Speaking of losses to teams that uh, cost you the division, well, the Cardinals all they had to do to clinch their division was hope that the Niners went on the road and beat the Rams for the sixth time in a row, which obviously they ended up doing. Uh, And then all they needed to do was beat the Seahawks. Uh, They couldn't beat the Seahawks at home. The Cardinals, since they started off 7-0, are 4-6. Keep that in mind as we roll into the playoffs. They are probably the coldest team out of any of the teams in the playoffs. Maybe Maybe Pittsburgh is just a slight bit colder. I don't know because Pittsburgh won a few games to make it to the playoffs. But the Cardinals have been terrible since how they started the year. Uh, And this loss to the Seahawks just proved that. And look, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson truly are a different team. But with how good the Cardinals are, they shouldn't lose this game. And uh, look, they're just very bad. Uh, I think they're probably one of the worst teams in the playoffs this year when you look at 
the whole when you, really when you look at the whole picture, not even just in the NFC. Uh, and we'll get to why I think that why I think that later. But you can't lose to the Seahawks. You can't lose to if you're the Lions. You can't beat the Packers. If you're the Colts, you can't lose to the Jaguars. Uh, and thanks a lot, Carson Wentz, for that one. The Eagles are laughing right now so hard because they made the playoffs while trading away their franchise quarterback. Well, former franchise quarterback. And then now all of a sudden they made the playoffs while the team they traded their quarterback to missed the playoffs. That is a great trade that the Eagles made. Uh, There's no other way to put it. We'll see its effect on the draft later. Uh, but Colts can't lose that game and the Cardinals can't lose this game. All those teams very disappointing. And also, I mean, it's crazy that both the Jaguars and the Lions both just needed to lose and neither of them ended up losing, which actually kept the same order going into the last week. But both of them definitely could have cemented their position. <laughs> yeah, Lions are just being the Lions. They can't do anything right, even though they're trying to do something wrong. All right, let's move on to your most impressive teams. Well, you know, some of these teams aren't as impressive as maybe you might uh, call them to be. But look, the Saints have dealt with a lot this year, and I don't think there's anything more than I can say about it, other than to just give them a little bit of credit, just for the fact that this team with its quarterback situation shouldn't have been 9-8. and eight. Uh, they probably had the worst quarterback situation in the league, I could argue, other than the teams who were starting rookies and maybe the Bears where Justin Fields was in and out with injuries and they didn't know who they wanted to start, but that's kind of a self-inflicted problem. Uh, the Saints had guys in and out, and even in this game, you know, Jameis Winston's been out since they started out five, since they started off 5-2, and two, and even in this game, uh, Taysom Hill was in the game, played many, many snaps, they, he got them a big lead, and then he went out of the game and Trevor Simeon had to finish the game off, and finish the Falcons off. Uh, this game put them in position to make the playoffs, and the 49ers uh, crashed all that down with their win at the Rams. And by the way, if that game had ended up in a tie, they also would have still made it. So didn't really affect much that the, that the Rams weren't able to uh, at least get that field goal at the end of the game. Uh, but still credit to the Saints for how they played for the rest of the year. That defense deserves, with 14 teams in the playoffs, their defense deserves to be one of the units in the playoffs. But unfortunately, just not enough offense to back it up. Uh, moving on from that, also like to give some credit to the Dolphins for their win over the Patriots, uh, but not too much. Don't really, it, it didn't really affect that much for them. Uh, the Bills, look, the Bills had to win the division at some point, right? I mean, they, if they want to start the changing of the guard with Josh Allen instead of uh, with Josh Allen not having to face Tom Brady anymore, this was the year to make sure that that's that that that, that was going to happen. They got their second division title in the row uh, in the AFC East with a 27-10 win against the Jets. You know, teams have slipped up, right? That We just saw it with the Colts. We saw it with the, with the Cardinals. I mean, the Titans almost lost to the Texans. The Bills came out and made sure that they were just going to put this game away early, not look back, and make sure that everything was going all right, and that they were going to get the right seed, they were going to get their three seed, get their home game, maybe get a second one if other teams win and get some upsets. And other than that, they made sure they won their division. That's all they needed to do. And I'm also impressed with the way that Devin Singletary has been running the ball for them and the way that Josh Allen ran the ball against the Falcons. The Bills are actually maybe able to play in cold weather. They're not so one-dimensional at the end of the year. And finally, maybe the one reason I didn't put it in best games is because I think it'd be wrong to not talk about the Chargers and Raiders as the very last game recap of the entire season because first of all, it was the last game of the season, and second of all, it was easily the game of the year. You had everything from dumb decisions, going for it on fourth and one on your own 20-yard line, uh, missed field goals, field goals that made it by an inch, field goals that were right down the middle, game-winning field goals, conspiracies to tie a game, fourth and 23 touchdowns, 
uh, touchdowns with literally zero seconds left on the clock to rookies who were not even on anybody's radar that were picked in the sixth round. This game had everything. Uh, the Chargers ended up losing this game to the Raiders in overtime. The Raiders won 35-32. to The teams traded field goals in overtime before the Chargers ended up uh, not, well, before, sorry, the Raiders ended up getting the ball again. And just when you thought they might kneel down and end the game on a tie and send both teams to the playoffs, the Pittsburgh Steelers make it in based off of the Colts loss and the Raiders win in this game. Uh, I mean, look, if you want me to talk about this Chargers-Raiders game, it's only right that I recap it at the end, but I don't think I can talk about it and do it justice. If you really want to know what happened in this game, watch the whole game, because really, this was a game that's actually worth re-watching like a movie. I mean, you could just put this out in a theater and people would go watch it again. You don't even need to edit it whatsoever. Uh, it was just, there were so many things going on in the game. I love that NBC found the two Steelers fans <laughs> that were in the crowd just rooting for a not-tie in an NFL game, which it's funny because it feels like there have been more ties this year. There's only been one tie the whole year, and it was the Steelers against the Lions, but the Steelers almost tied earlier in the day. The Rams almost tied earlier in the day, and all of a sudden, Steelers fans are like, oh my God, please don't tell me they're going to tie this game. The only scenario where we don't make the playoffs is if the Chargers and Raiders tie, and they were 30 seconds away from doing it, and then they were two seconds and a missed field goal away from doing it, but Daniel Carlson got a multi-year extension for a reason easily a top three kicker in the NFL right now. He made every field goal they needed him to make all season long. He won a game at the Browns. He won a game at the Cowboys, and now he won a game against the Chargers to end their season. Oh, and by the way, he also won the game at the Colts last weekend. He's made four game-winning field goals this season, including this one in overtime. That's a clutch player. Kickers are underrated. Go kick. I'm, I'm all team kickers. Uh, but look, the Raiders... They deserve to be in the playoffs. I mean, barring the whole John Gruden controversy earlier in the year, this team was on to a role that probably would have had them in better position than needing to win this game if they hadn't had so many issues. Uh, but in the end, Rich Passaccia and Derek Carr and everybody they had pulled it together. I mean, Darren Waller wasn't even playing for most of these last few games, their best offensive weapon, you could argue. Uh, they've lost other weapons for other reasons uh, the whole year. So look, the Raiders pulled it together at the end of the year. They deserve to be in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go for them against the Bengals, but they deserve to be there, and what a game to end the, se to end the season. All right, well, let's go from the most impressive teams to the most impressive players. Well, this one's more about uh, breaking people's dreams. Uh, Rashad Penny ended the Cardinals' uh, dreams of winning the division with 23 carries, 190 yards, and one touchdown, which was a 60-plus yard run uh, that put the Seahawks up by 10 uh, against the Cardinals. Then you have Trevor Lawrence, who was 23 of 32, three, 223 yards and two touchdowns with the game-sealing read option pull against Indianapolis to end their dreams of making the playoffs. And then finally, Max Crosby was a game wrecker against the Chargers. Six tackles, all of them solo tackles, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, three passes defense, which were all batted down Pauls, and four quarterback hits. This dude was all over the field. He was everywhere. I don't have access to the next-gen stats and everything that say how many hurries he had, but I believe he had seven or eight of those, too. Uh, he was ridiculous in this game, and he deserves to be in the Pro Bowl. That's why he's in the Pro Bowl. Good for Max Crosby. They played a great game, and I mean, really, there's nothing more you can say about it. I mean, look, Max Crosby played, played a great game. Robert Filon played a good game for, for the Raiders, too. Uh, and just overall... 
They deserve to win, and they deserve to be in the playoffs, and Max Crosby was a huge part of that all year. All right, well, before we talk about the playoffs, uh, you want to talk about the impact of Sunday's results on the draft order. We talked a little bit about that. Um, and maybe some head coaching vacancies? Yeah, very quickly, we'll go over the draft order. We already talked about the Jaguars and the Lions at 1-2. and two. You now have the Texans at 3rd, uh, the Jets at 4th, the Giants pick 5th and 7th because they got a pick from Chicago. Uh, I don't know what trade that was in, honestly, but from a while ago, I assume. Then the Panthers are picking at 6 in between those two Giants picks. You have the Falcons picking at 8, you have the Broncos picking at 9, and then you have the Jets picking at 10th, uh, which was via Seattle in the Jamal Adams trade. So the Jets and the Giants both getting two top 10 picks. Uh, the Eagles also have three uh, top 20 picks, I believe, but the the order of them is yet to be decided technically because uh, if the Eagles make some miraculous playoff run, then technically they might actually pick later than the, later than the 20s. Uh, but moving on from that, the Jaguars... Uh, Daryl Bevel is interviewing for the head coaching position. He was their interim head coach uh, after Urban Meyer got fired, but he I would not give him the greatest chance to, to get it, honestly. I feel like if they were going to hire him, they could have hired him last year. Uh, spe- but the Jaguars not going to make not going to be that great anytime soon, to be quite honest. The Bears fired Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace. Uh, they've had some questionable decisions. They've had some okay decisions. Um, I don't really mind either of this. I feel like at some point you just have to change things up, even if you've had some success. And I think if you've looked at, if you've been looking at the Bears, even though they were 12 and four and won and contended for a division title uh, four years ago, when Matt Nagy won Coach of the Year, which is crazy to think about that he won Coach of the Year and now he's getting fired. Uh, but really, in, including the second half of that year. They've been going the wrong direction for a long time now, and they haven't figured out their quarterback situation. They've had opportunities. They've traded up to draft quarterbacks twice, and neither of them have worked out. So you got to figure that out at some point. And if that means no more GM, no more of the same GM, no more of the same coach, that's what they believe it needs. Uh, The Vikings fired Mike Zimmer and and GM Rick Spielman. I don't know if they were exactly the problem for them losing 16 games that were one score, whatever the stat was by the end of the year. Uh, But... I see why they might want to move on. Uh, the Broncos fired Vic Fangio, uh, and the Dolphins fired Brian Flores, and I will give you two words on that. Well, three words on that. Four words on that. Deshaun Watson, bad move. Those are That's all I have to say about that that firing. I mean, Brian Flores should, have, should still be this team's coach, um, and maybe his comments earlier in the season being very protective of Tua because the Dolphins want to trade for Deshaun Watson might be the thing that really ended up with him being letting get, let go and maybe they're just going to find a coach who's okay with getting to with getting to know Deshaun Watson next year but uh I don't really like that firing and I don't really know who they're going to get who's better so I uh, don't like what the Dolphins are doing uh they really should have made the playoffs they were 1 and 7 at, to start the year uh, with Tua being injured for a while and really if you look at the quarterbacks he've had he's had with Tua being injured all the time Tua being injured this year his first year where he didn't even really have a quarterback and then the situation where he was using Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick like a relief pitcher in a baseball game where he almost brought them to the playoffs. He deserves to still be the coach of this team. I don't know why he was fired. I can't explain it to you, but let's move on from that and go to the playoffs, right? Yes, start in the AFC. Uh, starting where I said where the Titans had clinched the one seed, uh, good luck facing Derrick Henry in Tennessee, whoever plays them in two weeks. Uh, then let's move on. The Kansas City Chiefs, the number two seed, are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, on Sunday uh, if you saw the way the last game between these two teams went late in the season, 
you're not very interested in watching this game. Uh, it's still a playoff game. It's going to be Big Ben's final game. I will go out on a limb and say that. I don't think that's really going out on a limb. The Chiefs are going to win this game, uh, and the Titans are going to play the the lowest-seeded winner of the Bills, Patriots, and the Bengals, Raiders, uh, for sure. But let's move on to those matchups. The number three Buffalo, the number three seed Buffalo Bills with a rematch against the New England Patriots. The third time they'll be playing this year. They're actually not the only teams who are playing three times this year uh, in the playoffs. Uh, and then, uh, you know, there might be some snow in that game. And really, if you look at the way that the Patriots went on the road and beat the Bills with that terrible weather on Monday Night Football, the weather might actually decide who wins this game. I mean, I like the way that the Bills have been running the ball recently. But if you put more 20-mile-per-hour winds with Josh Allen and it's 20 degrees and it's snowing, I would really favor the Patriots in this game. So I can't give a prediction right now because uh, I need to see the forecast on Thursday when I go to predict this game. Uh, moving on from that, you have the big play Bengals uh, at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. If I told you this is a playoff matchup to begin the year, you would have called me an idiot. Uh, maybe not because of the Raiders side of it, but definitely because of the Bengals side of it. <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, when you have the Chiefs in your division, it's pretty hard to win a division too. Same thing, same thing goes for the Bengals with the Steelers and the Ravens and even the Browns, who a lot of people had as a possible contender this year, all being in your division with a second-year quarterback coming off an ACL tear uh, and a receiver who was supposed to be prone to drops all the time. Uh, ended up probably, I mean, he deserves being the offensive rookie of the year. If he doesn't get it, that's too bad. But uh, he, Jamar Chase should be the offensive rookie of the year. But this Bengals team is really, really good, especially on offense. Their defense might not hold up against some of the elite teams, but I think it's going to be good enough to hold the Raiders down, and I think they're going to win this game. All right, let's move over to the NFC. Uh, I Green Bay, I think, is still not necessarily a lock to win the NFC, but they're definitely my pick until I see something different uh, from some of these other teams. Tampa Bay is just too injured, in my opinion, to go all the way. However, good luck, Philadelphia, because the Tampa Bay, the one thing that everybody knows about the Buccaneers is that you can beat them by passing the ball, but as soon as you try to run the ball, you are going to lose if you try to run the ball against them to win the game. The Eagles' model of winning this year has been running the ball and playing good defense. I don't exactly know how going against the number one running defense, rushing defense and Tom Brady will go for the style of running the ball and playing defense. Probably not going to go too well. Uh, but then you have the Dallas Cowboys against San Francisco 49ers. I would argue the 49ers have the most likely chance to get an upset in all of the playoffs on either side of the bracket, AFC or NFC for sure. Uh, I, I just The Cowboys are just so inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get out of them. And the Niners, I feel like, could be the one team where the Cowboys do lead the league in, in takeaways, and they also lead the league in interceptions, which are really the 49ers kryptonite. I think the stat is that they're, I don't think they've lost a game this year when Jimmy Garoppolo starts and hasn't thrown an interception, yet they've lost, I think, almost every game where he has thrown one, and the only, I think maybe they beat the Rams this time around, and then one other game earlier in the year, uh, and the Cowboys do a great job of turning the ball, of turning the ball over from the opponent, but really, if the 49ers focus in all week and just say, we're going to win this game if we get no turnovers, and they end up executing that plan, I would give them a good shot of winning at Dallas, honestly. Uh, I really do think that their defense is still... Honestly, if you take away the takeaways from... Take away the takeaways uh, from the Dallas Cowboys defense, they're really just an average defense. I mean, the thing that makes them an elite defense is the turnover, are the turnovers that they force. But if you're able to limit them, they don't exactly look so formidable anymore. Uh, and the 49ers are also able to control time of possession and really frustrate Dak Prescott. 
you could I could see this game ending up exactly how it did when the Broncos came to visit uh, the Cowboys, where you know don't have the greatest quarterback, but as long as he doesn't turn the ball over and they're able to run the ball effectively, all of a sudden turn it over to the defense and let them win the game, and it might happen. Uh, and finally, in the last game, the Rams and the Cardinals will be meeting on Monday night for the second time. I wonder if this is the first time two teams have ever played twice uh, in the same season on Monday Night Football and played them each other three times in the same year. Definitely is, I would think. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Rams in this one. I'll telegraph that pick right now. I'm, I'm still, look, I'm still flip-flopping on the Bills-Patriots. I'm still flip-flopping on, on the Cowboys and the 49ers, but I, 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 I'm pretty set in my ways in terms of the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Buccaneers, and the Rams. Uh, look, the Cardinals, as I said, they started off seven and zero, and they're three and and they're four and six since. What's to like about the team? I don't. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. They lost JJ Watt. Uh, they're just injured. They're really, really injured. They're really, really banged up. Uh, Chase Edmonds has been out for a while. They they're not as healthy as the Rams. I mean, the Rams lost Robert Woods, sure, but replaced him with Odell Beckham, whether intentionally or not. Uh, Von Miller has only gotten better. Leonard Floyd is a re- is has had a really, really resurgent year. Uh, and Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald, so I, I don't know what there isn't to like about the Rams and what there is to like about the Cardinals, so i got to go with the Rams in that one at home. All right, well, that wraps up our look back at the NFL for this week. It also wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, January 14th, where we will have our weekly analysis of NBA basketball action and do a more in-depth preview of the NFL playoffs. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his picks for next weekend's games and his latest NCAA basketball tournament bracket, which was posted on Saturday, and his next bracket, which will be posted tomorrow. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.